This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. No woman can call herself free who does not own and control her body. No woman can call herself free until she can choose consciously whether she will or will not be a mother. Hello ladies. Thank you for tuning in to Guy from Gynac. This is Dr. Ash and I'm going to speak directly to you. Things that you've always been wanting to hear from someone. So let us begin our journey. No woman can call herself free. Words by Margaret Sanger, the pioneer of contraception and birth control. The fundamental right to plan your own pregnancy has never been easy given the different circumstances. If we just go by definition, birth control means a practice of preventing unwanted pregnancies by use of contraception. Although birth control pills and other hormonal devices are modern inventions, birth control has been around since forever. Ever since the dawn of history, women and men have wanted to be able to decide when and whether to have a child or not. Contraceptives have been used in one form or the other for thousands of years throughout human history. Family planning in fact has always been widely practiced even in societies dominated by social, political or religious codes that require people to be fruitful and multiply. Right from the era of Pericles in ancient Athens to that of Pope Bergoglio today. Thankfully, modern women have access to safer, more reliable contraception methods. Today, let me give you a fresh take on contraception as you get to know about how contraception has evolved since its beginning. So, let us first go to the times of origin that dates back to the book of Genesis. Chapter 38 mentions Onan, the second son of Judas, who as Abraham marries Tamar, the wife of his deceased brother Er. As the story goes, Onan, while having sex with Tamar, spills his seeds on the ground in what is known as coitus interruptus. or withdrawal or pulling out method since the child which will be born will not be legally considered his heir this act is considered to be a sin and since he uses his organs for satisfying his lust alone this leads to his death ejaculation outside the vagina or masturbation even to this day are viewed as perversions and guess what it is referred to as onanism from the bible let us also visit ancient egypt and Mesopotamia from 1800 BC we have the Kahun gynecological papyrus one of the largest ancient manuscripts written during the reign of pharaoh Amenemhatu this mentions the use of pessaries made of honey and native soda carbonate to avoid pregnancies ebus papyrus from 1550 BC discusses lint tampons moist with acacia gum to avoid pregnancies on a weird note the egyptian hieroglyphics depict elephant or crocodile dung mixed with donkey's milk and fermented dough as a spermicidal agent thankfully your doc won't be prescribing you this for sure surprisingly condoms are known to exist even in ancient egypt but they are more for show and religious purpose than contraception many tombs of aristocrats have these for use in the next world made of animal skin dyed bright colors and trimmed in fur The Hebrew women also prevent pregnancy by drinking the cup of roots 
which is actually the first known historical mention of an oral contraceptive. The potion is made with a mixture of Alexandrian gum, alum and garden crocus. Though alum locally is a spermicide and gum prevents sperm from ascending, contemporary science is still unsure as to whether swallowing this concoction would actually prevent conception. From ancient Egypt, we now visit ancient Greece and Rome. And what better than something from the Greek mythology? Pomegranate seeds are considered as a contraceptive and abortion-inducing agent. So as per the tale, Persephone, daughter of Zeus and Demeter, who is the goddess of harvest, is abducted by Hades, god of underworld. Demeter is so grief-stricken by this, she leaves the earth barren. Zeus did tell Persephone to not eat anything while she is in the underworld, but she disobeys and eats three pomegranate seeds. Owing to this, she is condemned to return to Hades for a third of the year, and Demeter refuses to grow anything on earth during that period, giving earth its barren winter. We also know that Soranus, the ancient Greek physician, prescribes the seeds and the rind of pomegranate to prevent conception. Also Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher, believes in anointing that part of the uterus on which the seeds fall, with cedar oil or frankincense oil combing it with olive oil, wherein olive oil reduces the sperm mobility and the other oils have an acidic effect, thus acting as spermicidal. Now then, the most famous contraception from this period will be the sylphium plant from the native Africa. This plant is grown only in the area of the now Libya and will be harvested to extinction in 180. Drinking its juice or soaking the juice on cotton or lint and inserting in the vagina either prevents pregnancy or leads to abortion of the existing one. The sylphium seeds become so popular and so expensive that they are even used as a form of weight-based currency and deemed even more expensive than silver. The biggest economic town of this time, Syrene, even prints this plant on their currency. Though it will soon be extinct, the heart-shaped sylphium seed pots will reportedly be the inspiration for the popular symbol of love. Other plants like Asafoetida and Queen Anne's Lac, that is wild carrot, are also used for contraception, of which the seeds of Queen Anne's Lac is still in use in some interiors of Rajasthan as a birth control option after sex. Like other civilizations, very little is known about birth control in ancient India. But the ancient philosopher and author Vatsayana does speak about outer course or ejaculating outside and also about coitus obstructus that is to control the release of semen during intercourse. As we enter the Middle Ages, the religious aspects become more engraved in the society as the Catholic Church deems birth control immoral. Well into the 1800s, abstinence is the only considered method of birth control. In the early 1800s, US documents the highest birth rate with an average of 8 children per woman, with family planning being against the morals of various religious and political organizations. Women resort to pull-out method, experimenting with different herbs and plants in the vagina to block sperms, or taking herbal concoctions to induce a miscarriage. Papal bulls or various religious edicts are now used to condemn women who performed abortions or administered contraception as witches. In the European Middle Ages, a freaky way emerges to ward off pregnancy, which is to wear a weasel testicle. Yes, women cut off the animal's testicle while they were alive, wrap it in a goose skin, 
and wear them as amulets to avoid pregnancy. Also in the 1770s, the renowned Italian adventurer, spy, author and more famously known as the womanizer, Giacomo Casanova writes his memoirs, Histoire de ma vie. In this, he mentions using half-cut lemon as a makeshift cervical cap and also writes that he uses condoms made from sheep's bladder or the one inspired by Italian anatomist Gabriel Fallopio by using linen condom tied with a ribbon. Talking about weird customs in colonial New England during these times, there exists a custom known as bundling. Unmarried couple at bedtime are bundled together and are put to bed either fully clothed, separated by a board or even sewn into a sack just to refrain the young couple to become physically intimate. However, with the dramatic rise of premarital pregnancy and illegitimacy, the clergy denounces this practice in 1770s. There is still a debate as to how condom got its name. Some say that Dr. Condom supplied animal tissue sheets to the 18th century king to keep him away from fathering the illegitimate child and getting diseases from the prostitutes. But there are also claims that the word is derived from the Latin word condon, which means receptacle. Whatever may be the origin, with the widespread syphilis and gonorrhea since the Renaissance era, till the 18th century, condoms are actually not used for contraception but to reduce STIs. 1839, the year Charles Goodyear invents vulcanized rubber. With new manufacturing techniques and decreasing prices, there is an increased popularity of rubber condoms in this Victorian era. George Bernard Shaw, the famous British playwright and essayist, called rubber condoms the greatest invention of the 19th century. Around 1883, a penniless New York City Jewish immigrant, Julius Smith, gets extra sausage casing from a butcher shop and makes them into skin condoms by 1890s. By 1930s, he has made millions with his rubber condom brands, Ramis and Shake condoms, and continues to do so till Merle Young's rubber company comes up with Trojan, the most successful condom brand. On 3rd of March 1873, something happens that puts a setback to the entire birth control agenda. With a strict religious upbringing, Anthony Comstock drafts the Comstock Act aimed to supervise the morality of the American society. This act considers publication, distribution and possession of information about or devices or medications for abortions or contraceptives to be unlawful. Contraceptive products for women are now marketed as feminine hygiene products or female tonics or mother's friends. By the beginning of the 20th century, the idea of oral contraception in conventional medicine has almost died. It will not be revived until the century is half over. And the woman who makes this possible is Margaret Sanger. Born in 1898 as the sixth child among 11 siblings to an Irish Catholic family, Sanger sees her mom die in the early 40s, consumed by frequent childbirth and tuberculosis. She later becomes a nurse and dreams of a birth control pill. With 1900s, the looming Comstock Act and banning of information surrounding safe sex and also contraception makes it difficult for doctors and other advocates for women's reproductive health to distribute information and birth control products. On the 25th of June 1914, Sanger, who has already stepped in as a visionary, coins the term birth control and uses this phrase in an issue of the Women's Rebel Journal. 
On 16th of October 1916, Sanger opened the first American family planning clinic in Brooklyn. It is shut down within 10 days and she is jailed for a month. But then, the coverage of her trial will help spark the birth control movement in the United States. By 1921, Sanger, along with her beneficiaries and feminists, established the American Birth Control League, which later will become Planned Parenthood of America. The entire concept of birth control now begins to raise questions about personal freedom, liberal and conservative values, government interventions, religion and politics, and ideas regarding sexual morality and social welfare. Slowly, this divisive topic finds its way in the mainstream. Dr. Kusaku Ogino from Japan and Dr. Herman Fnoss from Austria simultaneously published a new fertility method which is known as the rhythm method of birth control also eponymously named OK method in 1931 the anglican bishops approved to limited use of birth control also pope pius 11 affirms that the church teachings are against contraception in the 1940s chemistry professor russell marker realizes that mexican women have used a wild yam called cabeza de negro to prevent pregnancy for generations and thus He extracts plant-based progesterone from yams to create the synthetic version of progesterone called progestin, which lays the basic foundation for oral contraceptive pill. However, the turning point comes when this remarkable woman named Catherine Dexter McCormick throws her entire financial support behind research to produce an oral contraceptive. McCormick, heir to the International Harvester Fortune, is one of the first women graduates of Massachusetts Institute of Technology an ardent supporter of women's rights and a long-time friend of Sanger following the death of her husband Stanley McCormick writes to Sanger to ask how she can use her inheritance to contribute to the contraceptive research in 1953 Sanger takes McCormick to visit the Worcester Foundation for Experimental Biology where research scientist Gregory Pincus and Minchu Chang are conducting experiments in trying to produce an oral contraceptive. McCormick first pledges $10,000 towards the research. Soon after, she begins contributing $150,000 to $180,000 a year, funneling a portion of the money through the Planned Parenthood Research Grant program. By now, the total of McCormick's gifts to the research is around 2 million. McCormick also funds the first human clinical trials on the pill. which are to be conducted by Dr John Rock Dr Rock an eminent catholic gynecologist also works with the planned parenthood staff on a closely reasoned book called The Time Has Come a catholic doctor's proposals to end the battle over birth control in which he argues that the catholic church should accept the oral contraceptive as a natural extension of the rhythm method in 1956 the journal science announces the success of Rock's clinical trial Four years later, on the 23rd of June 1960, FDA approves Enovid, the first oral contraceptive pill. This pill is far from perfect, but its effectiveness, simplicity, and ease of use extends to millions of women and unheard of control over reproduction, for the first time allowing them to truly separate vaginal intercourse from procreation. In the following years, The FDA will conduct more studies on the pill to look for the serious side effects than they ever will be for any other medicine in the history. Margaret Sanger's pill 
makes the sexual liberation movement of the 60s a lot less risky than the one that occurred after World War I. Socially, the impact of pill is enormous. Though the pill is available only for a married couple, with almost instantly the skyrocketing birth rights in North America, courtesy of the post-World War II baby boom, comes to a screeching halt. The freedom of being able to plan one's family is not only thrilling for married women, but also provides mothers the chance to not only limit their number of children, but also to space their kids and plan out their careers freely. On the 7th of June 1965, with the Griswold v. Connecticut, even the Supreme Court strikes down state laws prohibiting contraception for married couples. With all going smoothly, a backlash against the pill comes in the form of safety hearings before the US Senate in 1970, which is following the Pope banning the pill and all forms of artificial family planning in 1968. This impacts the pharmaceutical companies to lower the hormonal doses in the pill and sell it with safety information. But what it also does is that it highlights feminist grievances and leads to a movement where women now assert control over their bodies and their fertility. By 1972, in its decision in Einstein v. Bayard, the Supreme Court declares that unmarried people will have the same constitutional rights to obtain contraceptives as married people, and the pill will now be available for unmarried women too. After a brief decline in sales, the pill becomes more popular than ever, with more than 10 million women in North America among its loyal fans by 1973. With restrictions being lifted from contraception and scientific and medical advances in the arena of fertility, family planning and birth control comes to fruitation. In 1975, American country singer Loretta Lynn releases a song, The Pill, which becomes the biggest hit and will later be inducted in the Rolling Stones' 100 Greatest Country Songs of all time. Over the next decades, there is a significant shrinking in the number of unwanted pregnancies. By 1998, we have the pill Previn, which is the first emergency contraceptive pill. By 2006, emergency contraception is available over-the-counter to men and women over 18 years. And by 2013, emergency contraception is available even for less than 18 years of age. In 2010, a new study is conducted with 46,000 women over 40 years on pill which infers that these women live longer and are less likely to die prematurely of all causes including cancer and heart disease. By this time, 100 million women around the world are on the pill. The Guttmacher Institute in May 2014 releases an article stating that an increased proportions of 18 to 19 year old reported having ever had sex, yet fewer of them became pregnant. The likely reason is improved contraceptive use and use of more effective methods. By 2014, 99% sexually active women report using at least one form of birth control at some point in their lives and still continue to do so. Unlike the first or even second generation formulations, today's pill delivers highly effective birth control at the lowest hormonal doses possible. This translates into a level of safety and efficacy that our ancient ancestors and even our mothers could actually only dream of. The pill of today, as well as more recent combined hormone methods, offer safety and effectiveness with greatly decreased doses of hormone. In the last five decades since these events, women not only decide when to have kids, 
but have been able to fulfill increasingly diverse educational, political, professional and social aspirations. Rightly so, on the 25th December 1993, the economist listed birth control as one of the seven wonders of the modern world. It said, when the history of the 20th century is written, it may be seen as the first, when men and women were truly partners. Wonderful things can come in small packets. That's all I have for you in this episode. If you love this episode, do share your views and reviews on my Instagram or Twitter handle on at the rate guy underscore from underscore guy now. As always, let me leave you with a thought. Remember, you matter. You are important and you are heard. I'm all about you and I wish you an amazing week ahead. As I say goodbye to you today, let us listen to the song The Pill by Loretta Lynn. You and me and and me when I was your girl. Promised if I'd be your wife, you'd show me the world. But all I've seen of this old world is a bed and a doctor bill. I'm tearing down your brooder house, cause now I've 